0: Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up Bruins fans and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I'm your host Ian McLaren and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be as well as take a look around the NHL. I should add an amendment to that we are currently three podcasts a week through the remainder of the off season, so not quite daily and quite frankly there's not really much to talk about in Bruins land right now as Don Sweeney appears to have bunkered down perhaps with Tim Thomas in an attempt to figure out how to proceed throughout the remainder of the off season. but nevertheless we press on Thank you so much for taking some time to join me in some Bruins talk on this Wednesday, November 4th, 2020, Uh, a very tense time for a lot of people. I know with uh, election results hanging in the balance, we don't really need to touch on that, Uh, and we'll just try to have some fun here today on the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, which maybe you came across via Apple Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, whatever podcast app you use, if you could kindly hit the subscribe button, each new episode will be automatically uploaded to your feed for you to download, listen, and hopefully enjoy. If you could also rate and review, that would be very much appreciated. Um. Especially for Apple users, it really does help in terms of charts. And the majority of you are Apple users. And I know that there are some ratings and reviews to be mined from the Locked On Boston Bruins listenership. If you're on Twitter, Instagram, you can find the podcast at LO underscore Boston Bruins on the former. Locked On Boston Bruins on the Instagrams. Myself, I'm at ENC McLaren on both platforms. Today on the podcast, I thought we would open up the mailbag and answer some listener questions and then just take a look at some news and notes from around the NHL. As I mentioned, if you scan the um, Bruins news feed on Google, if you look at the news aggregation sites um, in terms of rumors and reports, there's really not much smoke coming out of Boston in terms of Sudano Chara resigning, Jake Debrusque resigning, And um yeah, there hasn't really been much to talk about since they announced the new contracts for Matt Grizzlick, Jacobs Borrell, and Zach Sinishan. Uh Debrusk is that lone 2015 first round pick who's still looking for a contract. And um You know, hopefully at some point we get some news in terms of improvements to the blue line, improvements to the left side of the forward core, and, um, yeah, some movement in terms of Jake DeBrusque and Zdeno Chara specifically. Those are the two biggies that remain. Now, yeah, let's just get right into the the mailbag, shall we? I got um, a few... Well, quite a few really good questions to answer. The first comes from. Let's start with my fan Katie from Michigan at Katie, with two eyes MB, and she asks, "Do you think a shortened season, 48 or 65 games, depending on who you ask, is harder or easier for the players? How do you think it will impact the quality of play in the league overall? Certainly seems to be where we are headed. I don't." see how the NHL could possibly fit in an 82 game schedule in 2021 at this point, and then not have it impact the following season. Like how long do we want to go down the line where COVID is impacting seasons? I say do a shortened season 2021, get the playoffs done and get back to some semblance of order in terms of the NHL schedule. Now there's, A ton of variables to consider. The main one being COVID 19, whether fans can get back in the stands, how it will impact league revenue moving forward. For me, I think a shortened season could impact the players positively, in that, you know, more games equals more chance of injury. Now, it all depends, I guess, on how compact that schedule is. If you're playing 48 or 65 games, still playing three, four times a week, then maybe that has a negative effect. Uh, If you're playing 48 games, two, three games a week, that might be better for the players in the long term. But my guess is they'll try to get as many games in as possible. It will be a tight, compact schedule, and I think it could impact players negatively in terms of yeah, risk of injury being off the ice for so long. Some of these players, it will have been since March that they'll have taken to the ice for competitive hockey games, Uh, specifically those seven teams that weren't included in the return to play plan. Um, You have to take those teams into consideration for sure. And yeah, I don't, I don't really know. It's, it's such a unique time, very unique circumstances. And player health and safety needs to be taken into consideration, not just in terms of COVID, but also just the toll that a lot of games in a short period of time could have on their bodies. Next question comes from at Spencer DJ Blake, Spencer Blake, who asks which Bruins players past or present would play each character on Schitt's Creek and why? I immediately replied to this one and said it's incredibly tough because hockey and hockey culture and Shit's Creek, in my estimation, could not be further from each other, could not be more different. I don't even know if players watch Shit's Creek, if players like Shit's Creek. I could see them not, uh, you know, being more prone to watch something like Trailer Park Boys or Letterkenny. Um... So that's a really tough question to ask, really tough question to answer. All I know is that for me, Shit's Creek has proven to be a very good antidote to 2020. If I'm feeling down, if I'm missing hockey, if I need a boost, I know that I can turn on an episode of Shit's Creek and it will automatically help me uh, feel more positive, help me feel better and Um, I'm very glad that every episode is now on Netflix. I wish Netflix had kind of a random episode button where like if you're listening to uh, Spotify or music on your computer, you can just press shuffle, random episode will come up. I think that would be pretty cool. And uh, certainly with Schitt's Creek, you can't really miss. Now, speaking of feeling better, let's talk for a moment about built go this is an exciting new product from the people who brought us built bar and it's a healthy replacement for your energy drink and it provides energy that is not fake it's lasting and natural whether it's a mental or physical wall that you have hit you can break through it with go every day it comes in easy to take in one and a half ounce packages you can put it in your briefcase your work bag your golf bag even in your pocket and you can pull it out, consume it, and get the same energy boost without the crash feeling that comes from leading alternatives. It's natural, good for your body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. comes in three delicious flavors. My favorite is peanut butter honey. combines energy gel with a collagen protein, which is fast-absorbing, gets into your system fast, easy on the stomach, it's loaded with good stuff to ignite your workday like beta alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine. And Built go also promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. It literally makes you look and feel better. If you go to BuiltGo.com right now, use promo code LOCKED, you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Moving on with the bail bag, here's another question from friend of the pod, Beth, at Iver Wheat. Despite being a Canadians fan, she's a great friend and always asks very good questions. And this week she asks, what is a song you have to sing along at the top volume whenever you hear it? Great question. Uh, the first song I remember this being true of is probably Alive by Pearl Jam. Anytime I hear that. I belted out Uh, sweetness by Jimmy eat world is probably one of those songs as well if I'm looking at songs that are more recent say from 2020 huh that's a that's a really tough question Uh, probably uh, a song by need to breathe that comes on at the moment uh, called hang on I really into that one at the moment Uh, and Hmm. What else? I don't know. Those are probably the top three that I can think of at the moment. Great question. Once again, Beth. Dylan at Dylan W 1324 asks, favorite Providence Bruin of all time? And that is a great, great question. Now I look at the Providence Bruins all-time player list. I was shocked to discover that the all-time leading scorer in Providence Bruins history, drumroll please, Andy Hilbert. 101 goals, 109 assists, leads the team... Oh, nope. Not first in assists. Alexander Koklychev leads the team all-time in assists with 110. 210 points for Andy Hilbert, who you may recall was a second-round pick... By the Boston Bruins in 2000. Played uh, 370 games. No, sorry. 307 games at the NHL level. 42 goals. 62 assists. Is he my favorite Providence Bruin? No, I wouldn't think so. Let's look down the list and see if anybody else jumps out as my favorite of the uh, Providence Bruins. I, of course, have to give a shout out to Colby Cave. Who appeared in 239 games for the Providence Bruins, and he recorded 43 goals, 72 assists. He, of course, passed tragically earlier this year. And if you missed my interview with Emily Cave, you can go back and listen to that episode. It's probably one of my favorite episodes of all time here on the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast so he I would think would be one of my favorite Providence Bruins, although that is probably in hindsight and due to the circumstances in terms of active Providence Bruins, obviously guys who appeared in the NHL get a bit of an edge, like David Pasternak, obviously, Tori Krug, guys like that. But if we're looking at players who spent majority of their time down in the Uh, AHL, and who were not able to crack the NHL lineup, I would probably give the edge to Nick Boynton, to be honest. Nick Boynton, uh, for those of you who know my history, I grew up in Ottawa, and uh, so I was a big 67s fan in uh, the 90s. Uh, Late 90s is when I went to the majority of the games. Being in high school, I would go down. To the Civic Center in Ottawa many a Friday night to watch the 67s play. Nick Boynton was uh, a key member of the Ottawa 67s back in the day and he was drafted by the Boston Bruins 21st overall in 1999. I was very excited about that. He played a bunch of games for the uh, Providence Bruins and uh, spent a few seasons up with the NHL's Boston Bruins as well. Now, uh, before moving on to Phoenix, Florida, Anaheim, Chicago, Philadelphia. If you know Nick Boynton's story, uh, you know that he struggled with um, addiction issues and really um, did some amazing work to, to get back on a positive path in his life. And you can go and check out his... Uh, Players Tribune article called Everything's Not Okay by Nick Boynton uh, to really get more of his story. So yeah, if I'm picking one of my favorite Providence Bruins, uh, someone who spent multiple seasons down there, uh, it would be Nick Boynton because of my history with him in junior and also uh, his story since being uh, part of the NHL and, and just his personal growth there. Next question comes from Formula Ben at Ben underscore my underscore friend who asks, rank your top five ciders. Excellent question, Uh, Ben, and always happy to talk (laughs) cider. For those of you, again, who know a bit about me, you'll know that I have a gluten allergy, therefore unable to drink beer, which I, uh, prior to being diagnosed with that, I was on a big uh, beer kick, just really trying to try as many different uh, types and brands and flavors as I could. I've since pivoted to cider, and there are quite a lot of very good cider options out there uh, for those of you looking for beer alternative. I talked in the summer that uh, my wife Lauren and I we went to Niagara for our anniversary, and we went around to some uh, different vineyards and one of them is called small talk vineyard and they have uh, some really great cider options there it's a small talk vineyards also called shiny apple cider and uh, one there that i really loved was called uh, let me just find it here Shit, I forget the exact name of it, but it's a a whiskey-infused cider that was so good. Uh, I don't know if... (laughs) Maybe it'll be better to rank my top five cider providers instead of the individual ciders. Small Talk Vineyards, Shiny Apple Cider in Niagara. That is definitely one of my favorites. We actually went there twice on our three-day trip down to Niagara and sat... Uh, Just under some great trees, a real nice breeze there. And if you're ever up in Niagara, I highly recommend going there. Uh, Another one close to where I live is called West Avenue Cider. And they have some amazing uh, flavors that they uh, provide right on site. Um, Let me look them up and let you know some of my favorites there as well. They've got one called Cheriosity, which is available pretty uh, widely that I really love. It's, uh, yeah, a cherry cider. They have one called Genevieve, which is uh, so good. White peach, ginger, lavender cider. Another one that I love is called, uh, where's that hoppy one? Oh, there's one called Green Spring Road. Nectarine, honey, lime. Oh, yeah, Spontaneity is very good. One of theirs. So West Avenue Cider. Check them out if you're able to, and then probably my other one, uh, Brickworks, which is located right downtown Toronto, Queen Street, and uh, that's probably one of my favorites. That's a bit more widely available, especially if you live in Ontario. So, uh, Shiny Apple Cider, West Avenue Cider, and uh, Brickworks. Probably my top top three at the moment. Um, I don't know. It's hard to pick. Uh, five ones, but you know, any of those West Avenue ones I love and, um, anything from brickworks is great. And that whiskey one from small talk is especially amazing. I don't know. I could talk about cider (laughs) for quite a while. Hopefully that's not too boring for people. And hopefully that helps answer your question. A couple more here at Dave EE. B R M A L underscore Y. Is there a more forgettable Bruins defenseman of the post Cup era than Joe Corvo? Corvo played for the Bruins in 2011 12. There's a forgettable one who appeared even that year, and his name is Greg Zanin. Um, let's see who other, what other Bruins defensemen were pretty forgettable in the Cup era? Let's take a look at the 20. Uh, 2013 roster, shall we? A lot of people forget that uh, Wade Redden appeared for the Bruins in 2013. He was on the team when they went to the final, if you can imagine that. Andre Mazaros played for the Bruins. We had a Corey Potter sighting. Those guys are pretty forgettable. I even uh, don't even remember that happening, to be honest. Who else? Yeah, those are guys are up there. Joe Morrow. Remember him? Uh, David Worsofsky, uh, Joe Corvo, certainly forgettable, but there are some other guys up there as well. Final question comes from at Boston JMD: Why hasn't DeBrusque signed? Also, I don't trust the mailbag stuff. Should be in-person question asking. A little political humor there, and uh, I'm not going to touch that. Now, I think the main reason why DeBrusque hasn't signed is... There's a couple. First, the Bruins are kind of up against the cap in some respects. They only have about $6.66 million left to spend. That is, in my estimation, more than enough to get Jake DeBrusque signed. The other factor is that they need room, ideally, to bring in Zidane Ochara, and they might also be exploring other options in free agency like Mike Hoffman. The main reason I think why DeBrusque hasn't signed is because his agent is looking to get him a deal that is on par with more successful players from his draft class, like a Kyle Connor, for example. His agent, I talked about this on the podcast a couple months ago now, is pushing for a deal, you know, five, six million dollar range, which in my estimation, he has not yet earned and the Bruins are probably looking to sign him on a two or three year deal in the three to four million dollar range. That's probably the biggest reason why he hasn't signed. Uh, you know, we don't even know when training camp's going to start. And so there's potentially not really a sense of urgency at the moment. Typically, there is a date during the season by which... If a player hasn't signed yet, they'll have to sit out the season. That's for restricted free agents uh, specifically. Uh, We don't know when that date will be. So it's possible that this could carry on into the regular season, which would be problematic seeing as Brad Marchand is on the shelf. And, you know, um, I think, yeah, the big reason why he hasn't signed is just a disparity in what the player is asking for, what the team's ready to give. And without arbitration rights, there's no mediator who can come in and give kind of that middle ground um, for which they can agree to sign to or agree to part ways. So that is the main reason why there is no deal yet. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for all those great mailbag questions. Typically the podcast will be Monday, Wednesday, Friday through the off season and Wednesday will be mailbag days. Friday. We're going to have a guest uh, who I'm excited to talk to about Bruins prospects. Um, so look forward to that on Friday, but again, thanks so much for sending those in at Ian McLaren at LO underscore Boston Bruins. Let's finish off with some news and notes from around the NHL. And speaking of restricted free agents, There's quite a lot of players in DeBrusque's position that remain unsigned. In New York, you have Matt Barzell, who apparently the Islanders are hoping to sign around $7.5 million per season. Uh, A team could swoop in and offer sheet him $10.9 million or more, have to give up four first-round picks. It seems unlikely, and as much as there are teams up against the cap and could have problems fitting in their restrictive free agents. You know, an offer sheet seems to be kind of a unicorn around the NHL. Uh, It'd be cool to see, but are they realistic? Are they possible? We had one last year, of course, with Sebastian Ajo signing an offer sheet with the Montreal Canadiens. The Tampa Bay Lightning are very primed For offer sheet candidates in Anthony Sorelli and Mikhail Sergachev. How cool would it be for Don Sweeney to swoop in and sign Sergachev? Although, you know, do you want to part with all those, uh, first round draft picks? Um, that's, that's a big question to be asked. Blue Jackets have Pierre-Luc Dubois to sign. New Jersey Devils have Mackenzie Blackwood to sign. And of course there is Jake DeBrusque. And, Luke Fox from Sportsnet, he wrote that DeBrusque's contract talks have taken a backseat to the Bruins' attempts to reshape their blue line after losing Tory Krug to free agency. That's led to DeBrusque popping up in trade rumor mill. With over $6 million in cap space, the Bruins have room to sign him, but they're also poking around the UFA market. He does, like I said, lack arbitration rights. The Bruins... Would ideally like to sign him to an affordable bridge contract, but would that leave enough room to add a defenseman via the UFA market? Mackenzie Wieger still out there as a very tantalizing prospect for the Bruins to try to trade for. Um, he's up for arbitration on November 8th, and our own Matt Grizzlick could be a comparable for him. Uh, this could bear watching if it. Ghost arbitration, if um, the Panthers defenseman is awarded a contract, the Panthers aren't willing to pay. They could walk away from that, and he could be become an unrestricted free agent. Um, and Vince Dunn, I've talked about in the past, uh, is another guy that I think the Bruins could target uh, from the St. Louis Blues. How great would it be for him to be scooped up after losing Tory Krug to those Blues? I think that's pretty much it in terms of news and rumors pertaining to our Boston Bruins. Uh, We learned yesterday that Tyler Sagan basically needs a new hip. So anybody who is criticizing him in the Stanley Cup Finals should be aware of that very serious injury that he was playing through. And um, yeah, Ben Bishop needs surgery as well. Like I said, not going to touch on any of this political news going on. I hope that this podcast today has been a good distraction. Uh, It certainly helped me to think about these questions and to um, yeah, just take my mind off all the things that are going on south of the border. I hope you're all taking care of yourselves and each other. And uh, I'm glad to have uh, you all part of this community of Boston Bruins fans, wherever we land on the political skip. Spectrum, we can all agree that uh, this is a great team to root for, um, even if some players, past and present, may not even agree with us politically. Uh, I do certainly miss hockey and being able to uh, get lost in the action on the ice. It it would have been nice to have a Bruins game to watch last night for sure. Uh, What I am watching right now is the Queen's Gambit on Netflix. If you haven't watched that yet, It's the number one show at the moment on Netflix, and watch the first two episodes, and it is uh, really fantastic and definitely worth checking out. I'm also reading the new detective novel, Cormoran Strike novel, by Robert Galbraith, a.k.a. J.K. Rowling, called Troubled Blood, and really enjoying that. I really like uh, those those novels uh, with those characters. Uh, So, yeah, that's it for today's episode. We'll be back on Friday with some prospect talk. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much again for listening. If you can take some time to rate and review the podcast today, that would be so very much appreciated. Take care, friends.